Okay, so let me just quickly, and I'm not saying quickly like I'm scared to preach for another hour. I'm not scared to do that, but I am reading. I, I know that the Lord is, he's, hasn't he done a lot today, y'all, right? It's been so good. I'm, I'm not going to ever leave here and feel like he didn't move today at church. So, but we are on this, we're on this journey through Romans. It's called the Romans Road Trip, and Next week, um, I, will, I will think about you as I am at the beach. Wait, let me rephrase. I won't think about you while I'm at the... No, I will. I'll be watching next week. We'll be watching next week as Seth brings a powerful word, right? So, he's going to... I wish we could switch passages, but, you know, oh well. He gets to be the hero. Jesus is the hero. But we, we have been working through the first three chapters of Romans. And today we're, we're in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. And this is literally the conclusion of the worst part. I, I shouldn't say worst part because none part of the Bible is the worst part. But, you know, the hard part. Like he has, I, I was listening to um, a a preacher, and he, he made this statement. If you could choose one word to summarize Romans 1, 2, and 3, that word would be condemnation. Everybody go, Ugh. But, I mean, I was like, I can see that, right? But then I, because I've been at a media conference, I decided to ask chat GPT to summarize the first three chapters and here's what ChatGPT said. Romans chapter 1 unveils humanity's sinful nature and God's wrath against unrighteousness. Romans 2 addresses the importance of impartial judgment and true circumcision of the heart. Romans 3 emphasizes universal sinfulness, the need for faith, and God's justifying grace through Christ. And then I said, be less churchy. And it said, Romans 1 highlights human flaws and the consequences of wrongdoing. Romans 2 encourages fair judgment and genuine change from within. Romans 3 acknowledges universal imperfections and emphasizes the role of faith in finding grace and redemption. Apparently, if you say be less churchy, they don't say sin. And then I said, because y'all know me, by that time my head was just like, what? I said, use one word. Romans 1, sinfulness. Romans 2, judgment. Romans 3, faith. And then because I learned at this conference that you should tell ChatGPT who you want it to be, I said, be an evangelical spirit-filled preacher and use one word. And in all caps with an exclamation point, it said grace. And I thought, I, don't, I hope we've sensed grace. <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, but next week, you're going to. Because I'm going to read Romans chapter 3, verses 9. Through 20, and then I just I don't even have to expound on it because again, Paul is he's like any lawyers in the room. Tim, we have one. This is like the was it closing argument? Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Is make it work, preacher, make it work. Okay, closing argument. This is this is basically Paul's closing argument before. He gets to the good news. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but you have to know the bad before you can appreciate the good. Right? Maybe there's something for Pentecostals to learn there who we like to ignore it and act like bad never happens. Y'all, 
bad is the gateway to the good sometimes, right? Jesus went through the cross. Romans chapter 9, I mean chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. Remember verse chapters 1 and 2? We're all under the power of sin. As is written, and this is where Paul strings together like eight Old Testament references because he's proving the point that he didn't come up with the idea that all of us are struggling and unrighteous and sinful. He's like, he, look, from the beginning of time, y'all, let's go on a journey through the Old Testament. Let me show you what God says about all of humanity. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Have you ever had somebody tell you never to use those absolute words? Paul's breaking that rule, right? He's just making sure we get it. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Don't point at anybody right now. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. And the last one that he quotes, which I think is the key to the other ones that we just read, says this. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who were under the law, so that every mouth, how many? Every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You ever looked in the mirror and saw a booger? Wait, have you ever looked in the mirror after a conversation with another person and saw something? And you were like, God, why didn't they tell me that was there, right? When you looked in the mirror and you saw the imperfection, did you wait for the mirror to fix it? Because that's not what mirrors do. And what Paul's saying here is, we've talked all this time from Romans 1 all the way to this verse 20 in Romans 3. I've done all of this to help you understand one thing. That the law, even though it's good, can't fix you. And he says to Gentiles, the light even though it's good, can't fix you. These are all mirrors that we're holding up so that you can see that you desperately need help because no one is righteous, no, not one. And so what I want you to take away from today is this, that Paul has left no doubt that at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. None of us get to say, well, I'm not as bad as that person. As a matter of fact, do you remember when we talked about that race that we're going to, that, that race from the coast of California to Hawaii? Who was here for that week? And we talked about like that illustration of if you could imagine all of humanity lined up on the coast of California, and then somebody says, okay, we're going to race, jump in and go. We're going to, first one to swim to Hawaii wins, right? Who's winning? Nobody. Now, this passage says, 
Like, you know, is there an advantage to being a Jew? And last week he said, well, yeah, there's an advantage. You've got the law. You've got the, the covenant. But today he says there's no advantage to being a Jew. What does he mean by that? He means, like, it's good that you know the law, you have the law, and if you had actually read the law, you would have understood that you're never making it to Hawaii. So the Jews kind of had a little bit of a head start, but they were just closer to the rescue boat. That's the point. There's an advantage to being a little closer to getting rescued. But they forget that they're supposed to then go help and rescue. Now, if, if the book ended here, if the letter ended here, all of us should probably just pack it up and go home. But the Bible is full of big butts. I don't get to preach about it. But next week, Seth gets to preach about big butts. He's like, that's a good idea. Because at the end of the lawyer's closing argument, as he's seated at his desk, when everybody realizes I've got no hope, no shot, I'm going to drown somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, somebody stepped into the courtroom and said, but. And that's the first word of verse 21, and that's where Seth will pick it up next week. But now. A righteousness has appeared. Oh, y'all. It's been hard to get to this point, right? And you should probably high-five the person next to you and say, you did fantastic. High-five the person on the other side and said, you should have stayed awake for it. <laughs> right? It's been a journey to get to this point, y'all. But Paul is going to start laying out for us the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you don't have to wait till next week to choose to follow Jesus. You could do that right now today. Even I mean, you might get saved today. We might have more people get saved today than ever when I preach, right? Like, you could get saved today. You could. What does that even mean? It means that we have talked about we have no hope apart from Jesus. Not from, apart from learning Bible verses, all that stuff. No, we have no hope apart from Jesus. And we're choosing to follow him and follow others who are following him. We choose all that. And you can make that choice today. Or you can think about it all week and come back next week and choose to follow Jesus then. And your testimony will be, I got saved when a man preached about big butts. I don't know. Whenever you do it. What I hope you've gotten out of today's service is that there's an urgency to the moment and you shouldn't put a decision of that kind of importance off another moment, right? Today is the day of salvation. So I'm going to pray us out and then I'm going to stand here so that if you want to pray with me, we can. All right? Now, one word to summarize Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 3, verse 20 is grace. Apparently, that's what ChatGPT says. I would say that's an accurate description. 
If we recognize that Paul talking about all of the bad was to get us to a place to receive the good news of the gospel. Would you close your eyes? Father, in this moment, I want to thank you for what you've done this morning. Truly, we have been in the presence of God. It's been so good. I thank you, Lord, for where we are on this journey through Romans. And, and even as we, you know, like when Pastor Troy was talking about being a, like hearing about the coming of the Lord and being afraid, God, fear is just an indicator that there's something not right. Something that we're trying to hide, keep from you. Oh, my, if God only knew. And I'm so thankful that we've reached the place where we can recognize you do know. You know. I mean, like, you have exposed us, God. And yet, you're still here. And you're still saying, but now a righteousness is being revealed. And it's you. And I pray that, God, over people in this room right now who have are still struggling with, with all the stuff the devil wants to heap on us and weigh our shoulders down and push our heads down. You are the lifter of our heads. And I just pray, God, that grace over us this morning that we would not forget the price you paid to have this relationship with us and we would fear you, honor you, live in all of you, in your mighty name, Jesus, amen.